Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are looking at a Monday night slate to kick off the week. We got six games tonight for you guys. In this one, we're taking a look at the Bucks. They are in New York at the Garden, taking on those fiery hot Knicks. Both teams playing pretty well as of very recently. Uh, we'll take a look at that one. Got another one and our player props up for you today. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where you can check out all the great written content, everything we're talking about here in the NBA up there for you guys and our odds finder tool. Uh, you can use that to make sure you're getting the best juice back across all these sports books, offering you guys NBA bets this season. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into the six game slate and then talk about our game Bucks and Knicks. Yep. Uh, first one's a pick of them here. Pelicans plus one at the Wizards. Of course, Pels without Zion. Wizards still without Beal. Um, you said the Bucks are playing well, but I don't think that's really been the case in terms of their results. Uh, they are, they are though, still slight favorites. Minus one and a half right now at the Knicks with a 221 total. The Bulls, who have beaten the Celtics twice this season, are plus eight and a half, though, in Boston. Highest total there, 238. Um, oh, I'm sorry, highest total on the East Coast. Still a very, very high total, though, um, for good reason, but uh, tough tough line to pick, so we're not talking that game. Spurs are plus 11 at Memphis, also 238 total. The other game we break down, Lakers are plus 10 at Denver, and that is the highest total at 241 yeah. here tonight. And then the Magic yeah. plus 6 at Kings. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks. We're really struggling, pulled out a gritty win over Toronto. And then, you know, one of the most puzzling results of the season, I guess, or just, just kind of un- unexpectedly crazy that they were 10-point yeah. favorites at home against Charlotte and wind up losing by about 30. Um, I mean, it was like a yeah. Clippers that took a page out of the Clippers book, right, and and just yanked the starters in the first half, basically. And we're like, okay, we don't have it tonight. On to the next one. And they do have two full days off before said next one Uh, against the Knicks, a team they've now beaten four times in a row, beat twice this year in some pretty, you know, bruising, low scoring games, as you might expect for these teams. The first one did go over. Second one got to 212. And so we have a pretty low total here of 221. And of course, the Bucks are still a bad offensive team on the road, which is why, you know, if this was in Milwaukee, total would probably be 231, I think we could say. It would be about 10-point difference. Um, you're starting to see <clears throat> some signs of life, though, from the Bucks on the road in terms of opening it up more. I mean, they did have a 118 offensive rating when they went to New York last. They had a 124 rating in a win at New Orleans. Um, and then pretty good numbers at Boston, at Cleveland, even at Brooklyn, which has been, you know, one of the better defenses in the league right now. Um, And the pace has gone up a little bit. And I think most importantly here, their defense has been worse on the road as well. Uh, 118 defensive rating in their last seven. And part of that's skewed by facing Toronto, which just literally couldn't score. By the way, New York's last game against Toronto did manage to go over. They had a 118 defensive rating against maybe the worst half-court offense in the league. New York has now gone over an eight of ten. Um, being, you know, kind of had their lines set as and under the expectation that they how they want to win is holding teams below one hundred five. Right? We've talked about how they're undefeated in that situation. In basically any game that goes below two twenty, they look they look like they're going to win, and they were able to shut down Houston and Phoenix and go under. But other than that, I mean, they did not shut down the Spurs. 
Um, they, you know, they go to 231 with the Spurs. Um, and, and, I mean, the Bucks are obviously pretty impossible to shut down when Giannis has it going. I, I mean, he can be a one-man band and and just do do his thing, and that's going to kind of drive scoring in these games. And so when I went and, and looked back at their last few games with two-plus days off, saw what happened over in three of their last four, games averaging 238, Giannis averaging 41 points per game and shooting about 60% from the floor. And not only does he have two days off, he basically didn't play against Charlotte. He played 22 minutes. Right. He was questionable, probable with the knee issue, but, you know, he's had to manage that that ridiculous workload that he's been handling. Um, and so they gave him some early rest. And, and so now he comes into this one. And <clears throat> I also like the fact that both these teams – have something to prove here. I mean, the Bucks just whoever they're playing, they got to get on track. They got to prove that they can win. And the Knicks just to like get get off this this Big Brother scenario where they just can't seem to beat the Bucks. And and that even though both teams have the same similar strengths, you know, good good defending pain points, good limiting twos. Uh, I should say though, the Bucks are dead last limiting twos on the road. Uh, so I think Jalen. Julius Randle, who you're taking an under in player props. I'll just you know, throw a little sneak peek out there. I am not on board with that. I think Julius is going to have a good game. I think Giannis is, of course, going to have a huge game and that that's going to drive enough points to get over 220. You think Julius is going to be the one to have the huge game for the Knicks? I, I mean... Easy 30. Easy 30 right now. I mean, dude, dude has been killing it uh last 10 with like 30 points a game 12 and a half boards a game i was gonna bring up how good he's been playing in my player props and lead it off with that and then tell you guys uh sneaky segue to my under because it's just such a bad matchup for him right now um that that's really all that 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 i see like i'm kind of buying okay there's two trains of thought here. Buy into what's happened in this series, the last four matchups that have just been completely owned by the Bucks uh, in a very specific way, right? Like they're they're winning by just playing good defense all over the floor. If the Knicks aren't able to hit threes, at least in the games that they've been playing in these matchups, the Knicks haven't been as good from three. It's really just closed everything else up for them. And that was also, to be fair, at a time, um, at least back in October, when the Knicks were still, um, you know, sort of playing with with that that last year's style of play, trying to put up a lot of threes, um, not very good spacing between R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. Um, and, and so that was a big reason for, for everything being clogged up uh, and, and sort of Milwaukee being able to stifle what New York's offensive game plan was in, in the way that they were trying to score move forward to today and there is no RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, as we've been speaking about uh, when we called them beating the, the Raptors, which they did a few days ago on the road. Um, that was all, you know, a result of incredible spacing on offense uh, between those two guys. It is a little bit of your turn, my turn, but they're still running sets for them to get them in their spots wide open. So like, Great. Your turn, my turn with Julius Randle on the wing, one-on-one -on -one from 17 feet away, or, or you know, Jalen Brunson from literally anywhere on the floor because he's so quick and efficient in all those spots. Like, yeah, you're, you're going to be fine with that. So that would be the other train of thought here is this isn't the same matchup without RJ Barrett in there and without, you know, Tibbs just sort of forcing uh, us to, to forcing the Knicks to really run with with older players, Evan Fournier and, and Derrick Rose being the two that get beat up on in these conversations the most. Um, and Fournier has been getting back out there on a, in a bench role in, in a serviceable minutes that are make a lot more sense for someone his age and, and skill set. Um, and he's been hitting open threes as a result. And, and Julius Randle's actually been assisting a lot of those. But I would say in this one, you know, 
what I'm going to believe in here is Milwaukee's defense. I'm going to continue to buy into the fact that the reason they stop a guy like Julius Randle is that's where their defense is strongest. It's in the exact spots that Julius wants to score because you've got Giannis uh, and company limiting opposing power forwards uh, You know, to the, the fifth least points, rebounds, and assists per game in, in all those categories. Because once you get into that 17-foot area, you've got to deal with Giannis. And then you've got to, by the time you get to the paint, you've got to deal with Brooke Lopez. Uh, and, and obviously, Bobby Portis has been in there. Uh, and then, you know, if, if uh, Drew Holiday is also going to be up top on certain switches. If he's guarding Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson and, and, and Julius Randle want to run that pick and roll. Drew Holiday on Julius Randle from 18 feet away is still a pretty good defensive matchup as much as anybody else is going to be. And then, like I said, if Julius wants to drive into that paint, he's going to be met with two seven-footers with you know freakishly long arms. So that that style of play is the reason that I feel better about Julius specifically. And I think it also just tends to you know lend itself to the thought that if, the, if, if Julius and that sort of, you know, his offensive efficiency and, and players' ability to play off of him is not going to be as high, then you just don't feel as good as the Knicks being able to score that many points. And that is where, you know, I'm a little bit tentative with that over as well. I think this is a Milwaukee win. I think this is a, a good spot for for the to, to sort of fade the Knicks. Um, everyone's actually been, seems to be on the Knicks as this opened right at about plus three and a half, plus four in some places for the Knicks. And it's already down to, to plus one for for them as we record this uh, on Monday morning. So, you know, I, I think there's there should be belief the other way. I'm happy to fade uh, all those bets on the Knicks in this one, and, and I think this is a, a bad spot for them uh, to try to pull out another win. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I like the Bucks as well. Um, I just started to find enough in my research to say this total's a little low. Uh, I think there are some scenarios that, that get you there, mainly, you know, some positive regression in terms of, Recent results between these teams, nobody can hit a three. Nobody can get to the line very consistently. Like Giannis, only 11 free throws for him. That's a lot lower than you would expect. Again, when yeah. you look at his numbers, when he gets a little more rest this year, um, the the Bucks being 9-4 and four to the over after a loss, and this just being a bounce-back spot. Also them allowing six more paint points on the road versus at home. And the Knicks being dead last in transition D this season in terms of efficiency. On, on transition D. So, yeah, I mean, Bucks could could pull away here. I mean, if you are kind of scared about the Knicks offense and, and you're with Josh on like a Julius Randle under, then you might take the Bucks team total at 110. I just think they're going to bounce back enough. <clears throat> they're probably going to win this game. Um, and, and so I'm looking at Giannis's props, 31 and a half points, still going over that. And maybe you know some doubled up player performance doubles with the Bucks getting the win because they they obviously need thirty thirty five from him every time out right now with Chris Middleton still out. Yeah, fair, and it's, it's really going to be a matter of yeah, how, or, how is that Bucks defense going to show up on the road in this one? Um, it, like we were talking about, that I mean them being able to guard the three so well is big for this team, uh, it, but it's also going to be a matter of that mid range um, and, and the paint. And it, there have been times this year where, where Milwaukee's been susceptible in the paint. They're still not even in, uh, you know, the top half of the league right now uh, on the road. Anyway, in their last ten, their their defensive efficiency in the paint really, really bad. So that would be an opportunity for for Julius. But look, I mean, he's been scoring about fourteen a game uh, in his last four or five against uh, the Bucks for a reason. And it's 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 maybe a night where you can expect a little bit more choppiness and grossness. Even though the, the Knicks have been scoring a few more points at home, um, they've been playing a little bit faster pace, but. Uh, uh, it actually, over you know the, the course of their, their win streak recently and, and, and in that time frame, they've actually been a lot better on the road, as we've seen in what we talked about in that Toronto Raptors game as well. So, 
This game right now, Lakers plus 10, uh, total of 241 at Denver. The one thing that gives me pause about the Lakers' momentum is that this is the third game in four nights, and it's obviously a veteran-led team uh, with LeBron. Um, And that they do tend to go over when they're on short rest and that they do tend to fail to cover on on short rest. But, you know, they're losing by seven points per game. This is a this is a big spread. And and Denver is obviously really good, just bludgeoning teams uh, with incredible offensive efficiency lately. Uh, but for some reason, this has not been the best matchup for them. I mean, part of that being that sometimes Anthony Davis has been out there to guard Jokic. Uh, but they did lose the Lakers in in this. They've won 12 of their last 15. One of those losses is the Lakers. AD actually tapped out of that game with an injury. Uh, so it's not all him. It, to me, the reason I think the Lakers are going to be able to hang is that Denver, as good as they are in some areas, they've given up like 60 paint points in three straight uh, home wins. And, and that's even when they've like handled the Clippers, handled the Celtics, you know, they're still allowing those teams to kind of waltz into the paint and match efficiency. Um, that's not to say that I like over at 241. I mean, the Lakers have a reputation for going over these types of things, and both these teams love to fast break and score in transition, but I lean a little bit to the under um, <clears throat> because, I mean, the Nuggets, like I said, you know, some of the weirdness of this matchup and the Nuggets – Recently at home, playing at just a 95 pace in their last three in those matchups, I mentioned 108 defensive rating. Uh, the Lakers, because of the rest situation, they could go cold and then and then just completely shut it down. And those those last four matchups I talk about when they were in L.A., they were they were definitely up and down shootouts. The one earlier this season in Denver, I mean the, that was when the Lakers were started 0 and 4, couldn't really throw. Uh, um, you know, water in a well, if you make up a phrase there, but they, they had 99 points. It was a 97 defensive rating for the Nuggets. And they, they, they seem like they had a good recipe for slowing down LeBron, um, who is now, of course, on a ridiculous tear. So I think we both lean towards the Lakers slowing it down a little bit, given this situation, uh, towards the Nuggets having a bit of offensive regression because there's nowhere to go but down after they've scored 126, you know, in in their last 10, basically, Lakers as well. Uh, You know, it's scary to take an under, but I think the the idea of the game theory is if if we lean towards the under, this being not a ridiculous high-scoring game, then we also lean towards the Lakers keeping, staying within 10 points um, all the way down the stretch here. Won five straight, and they should at least be competitive. Uh, you'd think against the team that's that's uh, leading the West. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going under the two, the two ways that happens is um, this is a, a bit of a closer, choppier game. Um, teams, both teams, sort of maybe being a little bit better uh, in their transition defense and getting back, uh, maybe being a, a little bit better in the paint. I mean, the, the the Lakers have definitely been really, really good in the paint in their last five or so. Um, 
the other way, though, that this becomes uh, an under is if the Nuggets do, in fact, blow out the Lakers and the Lakers just don't come along for the ride. And then we just don't really care about this one by the middle of the third quarter. But I don't see that happening either, because we've been talking about the the matchup, you know, in, in the last roughly like four times that these guys have played. And yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the Lakers pulled one of those out. Um, and really, when when they've had a D, um, even in that, that game that they had him only for, what, 17 minutes before he got hurt, um, it, it was, you know, when Thomas Bryant came in, he was, you know, doing a lot of the let's go down into the paint and play really well in you know around the block and and that's what ad was doing as well he wasn't playing that outside game in that first those first roughly 20 minutes and in that streak of games right he was playing that way that's why thomas bryant has been such a serviceable substitute at like 19 and a half a game and 12 boards right so that that's a, a huge plus that they didn't really have when they didn't have ad last year uh to the same degree so um i think that that's obviously crucial when you're talking about Joker, you're not going to stop Joker. I I didn't think it was possible for him to get better, but I think he's better this year than he was last year. Um, Mostly because of the fact that, you know, playoff Joker has been like, I'll just score. You want me to score? I'll score. Like, I'll just stop passing as much and score. Um, And he's not necessarily passing less, but he's definitely just been like, I'll keep scoring. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm hitting 12 to 15 field goals a game. Right. Which means I'm taking I mean, honestly, for him, it means he could be taking anywhere from 18 to 20 because he's so freaking efficient right now. Um, and, and that's really what, you know, what has also helped for with that, um, the overs that they've been hitting uh, and the way that they've been scoring, like you said, like roughly like 122 a game or so. Um, and But at home, you know, if you look at their last roughly six, like we were talking about, not the paint points that they're giving up being a problem um it's also mostly just the way that you know that that pace has been so much slower and and i we've been watching a couple of those games where they lost to minnesota uh, after you know being really really tired but before that in all their games that they were you know winning uh, it, it still came down to a lot of who's more efficient um, as their defensive rating has been so good. They're happy to sort of keep that pace a little bit slower uh, and play in the half court because they've been basically the best half court team on both sides of the ball in December when they're at home uh, with that 110 defensive rating, uh, the pace below 100 shooting, you know, at the third most efficient pace, basically with on and second in terms of how many assists they're getting. So everything's just this really efficient use as much of the clock as you want, because everything is about ball spacing and passing uh, and cutting as well, which we've seen, uh, obviously, Bruce Brown being a huge beneficiary of that, uh, getting a bunch of uh, fast break points and points in the paint. So everything for them is very easy right now uh, because of the, the way that they're either passing and moving in the, in the half court or getting those transition points um, w- with some pretty big ease as well with guys like Bruce Brown uh, and Jamal Murray when he's in there, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon. That's like an incredible you know selection of four guys to lead your fast break or be running upon it as well while Joker just kind of does his thing trudging up the court. Uh, so, you know, I, I like the efficiency but it also leads me to say if you like this game to be a bit slower and you do like uh, the Lakers to probably be able to hang at least I think they're going to be hanging in the first half um, I don't know necessarily what's going to be going on in that third quarter as the Nuggets have been such an incredible third quarter team uh, and have used that third quarter to pull away from their opponents or in December uh, the best third quarter team as well in terms of net rating um, for a reason right and that, that's kind of what we've seen from really good teams in the last few years as well is who wins that third quarter and comes out and just crushes your soul um, so that's the only thing that, that keeps me from feeling as comfortable about the Lakers score uh, 
covering, but because I don't expect them to get totally blown out uh, and that this game should be at least, you know, a little bit more of a competitive affair, I, I don't think it's going to be going at a fast pace considering the, the, you know, the pace of both these teams has been down for sure as of late, and which has been leading to them winning. I don't think you change that recipe. Uh, so under 241.5 feels pretty good. And maybe the Lakers, uh, I got to look at what that first half line is, but I'm basically, all these numbers have kind of led me to be like, I don't know that they're going to be able to hang in that third and first, fourth quarter with the Nuggets, uh, but I do think there's something to be said for them covering in the first half. Yeah, I think there's some circumstances that are leading to the Nuggets being a little bit overvalued as minus 10, uh, the number just being a little bit uncomfortably big. I mean, you look, they won back-to-back home games here, um, but against Cleveland resting Donnie Mitchell, against the Clippers pulling the plug on all their starters uh, before that, against the Celtics who just can't, who just don't show up in some road games right now. Um, and then they haven't really been unbeatable in their previous two home games, Miami and Phoenix. And we know about Phoenix's struggles, but I, I, I mean, the Lakers are, are pretty much the, the opposite of the Clippers in terms of urgency right now. And that's why, like, I do think we trust them not to be like, okay, this is getting out of hand in the third. Like, we'll just move on to the next game. It's like, no, they're, they're selling out right now. This is our last stand. (laughs) Like this five game win streak is our stand to say, like, we actually have something. They're basically auditioning to the front office to say we can be competitive if you want to actually trade those draft picks and give us one or two more players like maybe we can actually make a run here and anytime they they go out there and and come out flat lebron specifically being like that guy who's like you know give me something here um you know he's not there's no quitting him right now And, and if he's not resting he's out there giving you like 35 eight and eight um on the routine here 40 plus potentially and with with the nuggets struggles guarding the paint uh we do expect enough scoring from the lakers to keep it close so i i the total is tough to bet either way uh because you just don't know about the pace yeah and, and how much fast break opportunities are going to be how 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 quick joker is going to dictate that pace but i think either way i don't think the lakers uh you know completely fade away in this one I think they, that they keep fighting uh, to the end. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it is a big disadvantage right now to also be out with uh, without uh, Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves for them, which is, is part of what scares me. But they, they definitely hung and, and kept things uh, in the last five. They've been playing, obviously, well uh, and closing things out super well as well. So... It just it's it's kind of funny, Russ and, and LeBron. It's kind of like almost Russ's dream here that it's just like I get to just be used as much as possible. I don't even have to start. My usage is just going to be up by the thirty percent range the whole time. Same with LeBron. I'm also going to be able to get just all this all these minutes. So it's it's kind of fun for them at, at least. And and I think we can expect uh, them to at least bring it. Like I said, I feel very strongly they'll bring it in the first half, and then we'll see what happens from there. But you're listening to the Lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. 
Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first NBA player prop for tonight. Yeah, it fits with our game video. Uh, Bucks Knicks leaning over, definitely leaning Bucks uh, after they have a stunning home loss to Charlotte. And it, I think Giannis just leads them back here. I mean, like he has all season, obviously a leading MVP candidate in a ridiculously stacked race. And you look at what he's done his last three games when he's had at least two days rest, 45 and 22 against Chicago. Of course, that's still a loss, but 47 and five against the Lakers and 37, seven and six against Portland. Um, and so his props at 31 and a half points and you're, you're minus 120 to go over. That's, you know, obviously fair because the odds of him going under 31 and a half are ridiculously low. Um, you basically have to have another situation where somehow the Bucks pull their starters because his usage rate is in sh- is absolutely insane in these last five before he played half a game against Charlotte. 45% usage, getting 40 points per game, getting the line 17 times, also 16 and a half rebounds. You can tack those on in various ways. I think the 49 and a half PRA is the best odds I found at FanDuel because uh, the Knicks have been forcing him into a lot of assists his last three matchups, 35 points, seven assists per game. Uh, along with 13 rebounds. So he gets his numbers against the Knicks, despite the fact they limit pain points against everybody else and limit free throws against everybody else. He's still getting about 12 a game. Um, so I think you start with those minus 120 odds, the bets on on him to get his, because that's I think that's happening either way. But then you look at the, the Bucks winning too, and Giannis, for, for them to do that, Giannis is going to have to get 35, I think. And then that's plus 310 at FanDuel. It's like three to one on your money for... Giannis to do his thing and that to be the reason for a Bucks win. And then, you know, almost double that for him to get 40, which is not really that, that unlikely here either. It's plus 720. I wouldn't go too hard on that, but I think it's definitely worth a look. Um, and the 35 points seems like a reasonable outcome. Yeah, I'm 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 staying away from it, but I I, I mean there's no reason to think he can't do it. I, I like, I mean, everything versus the Knicks, he still gets his, even if they are, you know, known for the defense they're known for 17 free throw attempts a game. It seems absurd, but like when you watch it, it's like, man, I mean, he kind of is getting fouled on every play uh, to be honest, because there's almost no way to stop him. But um, I mean, yeah, 30, I, I do like them to win this game. Um, and, and I think the 35 uh, and a win at plus three ten. Sounds great. I mean, if you can double that for five more points at 40, doesn't seem like that bad, bad of a play. But if you want to be safe at getting plus 310, 35 and a win for, for Giannis is not a bad bet by any means. So um, let's go to a guy who uh, actually missed a, a game or so for uh, for fighting, Franz Wagner. Uh, he is back in action for Orlando and has been and has been uh, very good even since he returned from that brief uh, hiatus. But 23 and a half points and assists. I really like that. Minus 110 on DK. Uh, definitely been a lot of playmaking for him. But the, the points are just at 20 and a half, a little better uh, in terms of the odds, minus 105 for him to get 21 points. But you add the two uh, or the three assists, and I think you, you're, you're onto something very, very much so there. In his last three, like I said, since he's been back, 24, uh, basically 25 a game uh, with about three boards, but four assists um, and 37 minutes uh, a game he's getting in that time with about a 25% usage rate. Uh, the only reason it's not even higher is because Paolo is also getting a very high usage rate out there. But they're playing uh, a Kings team here, you know, an- another road game for them uh, where one a Kings team at home that's playing at a basically 102 pace uh, per 100 possessions. Uh, they're they're allowing ninth most. 
most assists per game at home to their opponents. Um, they allow the fifth most assists per game to power forwards. I don't know what you call Franz. There's four power forwards out there, so maybe they're all going to get assists tonight. Uh, but Sack also the most points per game to small forwards, you know, and, and like basically it's just that area of the court that they're giving up a lot of their points to. It's either Paolo, Markel, or, or Franz that's bringing up the ball right now for Orlando. And, um, and really, you know, even when Markel Fultz is out there, you still see a lot of playmaking from Franz Wagner as he's getting the ball in his hands uh, with the, with a lot of options of what to do with it. So um, he, you got to continue to feel good about him uh, in, in a situation where assists are going to be prevalent tonight, I think, and a lot of points in Sacramento. Yeah, and I was looking at the points and rebounds, but then saw that Sac gives up the fewest rebounds per yeah. game at home because they're just scoring uh, and, and the pace is so fast. and It's just it's just goodies uh, for both teams unless you're looking for missed shots. Um, and, and with P- Wendell Carter really back in these last three, like off his minutes restrictions, Franz has kind of shifted down into more of like a small forward, and, and that seems to have sparked more assists for him um, as more of that playmaker and more scoring because um, then they're not asking him to play as big. Um, so looking at that Celtics Bulls game, 238 total, you think we're going all in on the stars, right? DeRozan, Tatum going to go off. I mean, probably, sure. But the best value I found is Pat Williams, 15 and a half points rebounds for minus 110. Um, a guy who has very quietly just become a solid um, contributor, efficient scorer, Right now, uh, in his last four, he's hitting basically half his threes, nine for 20, and 10, 10 of 11 at the free throw line. That's good for 14 points and five boards per game and playing 34 minutes. And I think as long as he doesn't get in foul trouble, he's going to be playing 34 minutes tonight as one of their best options to guard either Jason or Jalen. Uh, last time out against Boston, he had 17 points and was a plus nine in 34 minutes. Uh, previous time played 30 minutes, so had seven and five, but that was the thing early in the season uh, is he like literally wouldn't look at the basket. And there was obviously some some talk amongst the team that like, look, if it comes to you, you gotta, you gotta let it fly. Like you gotta be within our offense here. And it started to come to him a lot more because those other guys, Vooch, DeRozan, Levine, command a ton of attention, uh, especially Vooch when you look at what he's done to the Celtics lately. They're going to try to be getting the ball out of his hands. And then all of a sudden, it's just like an, a wide-open baby hook for Williams on the on the baseline or a corner three, the coveted shot in basketball. And, and like I said, he's hit about half of those. So I think he gets double-digit points here, and you should fall into a few more rebounds if you're playing 34 minutes. I, I, I mean, I thought you were going to go with Vooch because, we. I mean, as a Celtics fan, I'm sure you've been paying attention to how much he's been crushing you guys the last few times you guys have been playing him. Um, but I think Pat Williams is another good bet because of, of the matchup that, that he – is uh, if he's tr- if he sort of has any kind of nose for the basket, then he be, he's a he's a lot more of a problem on that on the uh, offensive side of the ball. I think uh, against these Celtics, where you know I, I, you're you're not really looking to put like Tatum or Brown on him necessarily, uh, and as a result, I think he can probably find some some pretty good holes there. And, and the fact that he has been at least um, putting the ball up a bit more, the bunch more field goal attempts in those fourteen a game in his last four uh, makes you feel a lot better about his ability to do that. So. Uh, it's time for uh, Julius Randle's under. We alluded to it in that Knicks video uh, as we talk about them and, and these bucks. And I mean, look, man, like it's scary to go under 26 and a half points for him or even under 37 and a half points and rebounds for him tonight. Uh, maybe you don't like the rebounds if you do think this is going to be a I mean. Nate and I talked about this going over. Um, I could see it being a little bit choppier if, if Milwaukee brings it on defense, uh, you know, on the road. But 
the, the under for Julius is really just the Bucks have owned this team and they've owned Julius uh, the last four or five times they've played them. Um, they're average, the Knicks are averaging about 103 points in their last four matchups versus the Bucks. Julius in his last five versus the Bucks, 13 points a game. I say again, 13 points a game and nine boards with three assists. And that's all in 34 minutes a game. Now, uh, that could be in part because uh, R.J. Barrett has been out there and that fit has not worked uh, in terms of spacing as we're now seeing Julius go crazy over his last 10 games um, or last eight even without uh, R.J. in there. 30 points a game and 12 and a half boards uh, and about five assists. Um, but like I said, in those last five versus Milwaukee, one of which did not have R.J. in it, uh, 31% from the field, 24% from deep with just three and a half free throw attempts a game. That's something you really hate to see for Julius. He's got to be closer to seven or eight minus 75 in those five games as well. By the way, not really any foul trouble. The most fouls he's uh, had were four uh, in any of those games. Milwaukee, second best opponent, three point percentage on the road. Um, Julius is scoring about 38% of his points from there. The other like 38% are in the paint, obviously, another place you don't necessarily want to go. Uh, I talk about the matchup problem in the game video as well, from in terms of where he likes to score from and where the strength of that defense is for Milwaukee. Uh, you can expect Drew Holiday to be hounding him anytime he's outside the three point line. And then as soon as he gets in it. He's got uh, Giannis and Brooke Lopez to deal with. Milwaukee remains number one in limiting opponent free throw attempts on the road and number five in limiting power forwards uh, on the other team to points, rebounds, and assists. All stuff we talk about, and I say, I say specifically in that game video. Nate, tell me why you think I'm crazy for this. You're on your own. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I, own, maybe I'm a little shook because I, I looked up some Julius Randle unders the last couple times. I looked at how he had struggled against PJ Tucker specifically, some of those last five against the Bucks, and then he just goes out and produces, and he's on a tear without RJ Barrett right now. And I, I just think the the Bucks are not bringing it on the road. I don't think they're going to be shutting him down. Um, the 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 props are very high for for sure, but I I don't think he's going under. Uh, that's you know either way, that's fine. Uh, more power to you if you want to bet it. I do. I do want to bet it. We'll see what happens there. There's just too many numbers showing me that. But I, I mean, it's 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 conflicting information here in terms of what he's been doing as of late versus just what he's been doing versus the Bucks as of late. So we'll see how that matchup works out for him tonight. And that is all the time we have for you guys in this one. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. We are coming back to you each and every weekday this season. So until we see you next, happy betting. <laughs>